0: Welcome back to another episode of the Global Connected Aircraft podcast. I'm your host, Woodrow Bellamy III, and we have a very exciting guest and topic today. But first, I want to let everyone know that we have been making some really good progress in introducing new content and new and exciting speakers for the 2020 Global Connected Aircraft Summit, including keynote speaker Joe Wilding. He is the co-founder and CTO of Boom Supersonic, He will be giving a speech on how connectivity will be enabled on the supersonic passenger airplane that they are developing and plan to enter into service by 2025. So really looking forward to seeing that. Uh, You can see more info about the latest updates on speakers and content on our website, www.gcasummit.com. This year's event is June 2nd through the 3rd, 2020 at the Hilton Denver City Center in Denver, Colorado. Welcome to the first Global Connected Aircraft podcast of 2020. We have a very exciting topic today. We'll be discussing turbulence awareness for commercial airlines. Uh, We have two very special guests today that I will let introduce themselves, uh, starting with Katya and followed by Bren, if you could both just give our audience a brief introduction to yourself, your name, job titles, and a little bit about what you do and your role with the International Air Transportation Association.
1: Um, thank you. Uh, my name is Katya Vashinkova I'm currently the head of the Iara meteorological program, which uh, comprises of two main uh, uh, projects. One is um, a Turbulence Aware uh, project that we're going to discuss today, and uh, the other one is um, um, IARA's collaboration with the World Meteorological Organization. Um, For the Turbulence Aware project, my my main role is to lead the program from um, the uh, program management standpoint. Um, I'm... uh, Managing the technical development, um, the team behind it. Um, I'm also managing a lot of external stakeholders, airlines, uh, med services, governments, uh, various research a- agencies, uh, various commercial third parties, and uh, trying to bring them together in order to make the program work.
0: And Brent?
2: Yeah, hi everyone. I'm Brent King. I'm the head of flight operations efficiency at uh, IATA. I have a background as a uh, commercial pilot, uh, around 35 years of flying experience, different different sorts of uh, aircraft and helicopters. I uh, worked in an uh, airline uh, for about almost 20 years on flying Airbus aircraft, A320, A330 and A350. And I assist Katia on the project as uh, a subject matter expert from an operational uh, perspective. Uh, so for the last two and a half years, we've been are working together with this uh, Turbulence Aware project to, to bring it to industry and um, adopt uh, objective turbulence-based reporting of aircraft in flight.
0: And for those who are unaware in our audience, uh, back in October, we actually interviewed uh, both of you about this uh, IATA's Turbulence Aware platform. It was a really popular article uh, for our audience, of uh, especially engineers that are working on putting connectivity on aircraft today. Um, for those of us who aren't aware of what Turbulence Aware is, um, could you give us a little bit of background of what exactly the initiative, the program is, what the technology is that enables that? Uh, maybe we'll start with Katya and kind of get uh, Brent's Uh, perspective at, you know, from a pilot perspective. So if you could first just kind of give us some background on what Turbulence Aware is.
1: Uh, Yes, thank you. Um, Essentially, airlines approached Ayara a few years ago um, with a requirement to act as a global consolidator for um, turbulence data that some of them started uh, generating uh, on, on their aircraft and sending uh, to the ground. They wanted to share this information and uh, use it uh, effectively to build global coverage. So, IATA built um, uh, a database that processes this data in real time and uh, makes it available uh, to the airlines for operational use. The way it works is um, the data is generated uh, on board the aircraft in flight, and uh, every time the aircraft enters an area of turbulence, um, a report is then sent to the ground using uh, standard communication systems such as ACARS or broadband. Um, IATA uh, gets this report uh, from either the airline uh, ground-based servers or their communication service providers uh, servers we pick up this report we uh, normalize uh, the report we remove the airline id and uh, we consolidate it into a single global data set and make it available end users um, either as a data seed or uh, through our visualization tool uh, that maybe Brent can uh, talk a little bit more about uh, in in a minute. Um, The whole uh, process takes uh, one-third of a second, so it's a pretty instantaneous access to real-time turbulence data. And uh, airlines can either integrate this data set into their existing operational tool in the cockpit or in their um, uh, operational centers, or um, they can whitelist the the, uh, URL of our web-based viewer and uh, visualize the data uh, in flight uh, that way.
0: And Brent, any uh, thoughts just from a pilot's perspective? what does this kind of process actually look like once a pilot or airline is kind of brought into the Turbulence Aware uh, platform? What does it look like, its use operationally for pilots? Yeah, good question.
2: What we're talking about here is a, a move from the subjective to the objective. So a paradigm shift really from a pilot perspective of dealing with forecasts and you know um, reports from Pilots in flight, you know, I might be there and say, oh, I believe, you know, at flight level thirty-five thousand feet today that I'm in moderate turbulence. Another pilot might say, Well, actually, it's light to moderate, and moderate. another might say it's it's moderate to severe. So, very subjective information um, coming off aircraft with pilots with different experience levels and and also different size aircraft. So now that we're using uh, objective data, which is produced um, by effectively the algorithm being hosted within the avionics bus of the aircraft or somewhere on the aircraft where it has access to the, the parameters that it needs to operate to produce this uh, objective uh, turbulence value, uh, which is, as Katya said, transmitted to the ground by some means and then processed through our database and made available operationally in a variety of, of different tools. Now, those tools uh, are... At the moment, some airlines are running them in the flight deck that have connectivity. And and most of the tools to generalize uh, incorporate various weather elements and turbulence being one of them. We're able to provide those raw data reports, which are either overlaid or, or ingested into a, a now cast uh, model, for example, and are displayed in the flight deck. So the pilot now, if he has the, the tool on the flight deck and the connectivity, is able to in real time, um, get very good situational awareness with with turbulence in his vicinity or ahead of him, and and what that means when you're operating up there in the in the atmosphere is that you're able to manage your passengers and your your crew and your your meal service and even where you operate the aircraft operationally. You know you're going to start now to be able to see that the air above is also smooth. Therefore, I have confidence to climb to an optimum flight level to, to save fuel and reduce um, CO2 emissions as well. So, you know, like I said earlier, the paradigm shift from the subjective to the objective is, is really what this is about.
0: Yeah, it's just a very interesting use of uh, technology and uh, sort of a follow-up question for you all on that. I know that <clears throat> one of the things that we discussed previously was that this whole process is enabled by an algorithm developed by the national center for atmospheric research which is capable of collecting turbulence parameters from aircraft systems and centers aggregating that data and then making it available to participating airlines i want to learn a little bit more about that algorithm Uh, how does it work exactly and What type of data is it collecting, Uh, as you mentioned, Katya, in sort of uh, one-third of a second?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'll just explain a little bit about the algorithm. It's taking uh, measured parameters from the aircraft um, that that already exist in in the um, data buses or avionics bus, like your true airspeed or the changes in your angle of attack, which are two of the primary parameters. Um, It captures these parameters uh, at uh, you need to, to capture them at 8 hertz and then there's approximately 8 to 10 parameters that are run through the algorithm on a, on a constant basis and effectively every minute that algorithm is is calculating the the mean and peak EDR or eddy dissipation rate uh, so the turbulent state of the atmosphere around the the aircraft in flight it's, it's aircraft independent so the easiest way to think about it from an analogy perspective is to imagine yourself on a a boat in the ocean, a a huge cruise liner, and you look down at the the wave height of the ocean and you see a two-meter high wave, the the sailor who's in a small yacht beside the cruise liner will also measure a two-meter high wave. How that wave height Affects each respective aircraft or boat in this particular case is obviously different. So, what the algorithm is doing is producing an absolute value. So, to put that into the sky, if you put an Airbus A380 running the algorithm next to a Boeing 737 in the same piece of, of airspace, they would theoretically calculate the same eddy dissipation rate value. So, hence, um, you just need to understand how that value would affect your particular aircraft.
1: I think to add to that, um, the algorithm has two reporting logics. Uh, one logic is called the uh, heartbeat reports, and uh, essentially a report is sent uh, every 15 to 20 minutes uh, when the air is smooth, uh, basically to indicate that the software on board the aircraft is working, but also to give the pilots uh, the confidence to go to certain areas, uh, knowing that the air is smooth. Um, the other logic is uh, um, what is called event-based logic. And uh, anytime an aircraft flies into turbulence and a certain EDR value is uh, is reached, a certain threshold is reached, um, uh, the algorithm, the, the software starts sending reports with turbulence values every minute. Uh, to give the aircraft uh, behind it in trail uh, the awareness about the turbulent air, and then once um, the air um, basically goes back to smooth, uh, the um, reporting logic goes back
0: to heartbeat reports. And and when we talk about getting that data down to the ground um, almost in real time, uh, one of the things you mentioned earlier was. You can get it through a cars or broadband, and that, I thought that was a very key uh, mention, especially for our audience. Um, if an airline is you know primarily we do think of the use of a cars for you know operational data, obviously ATC messages, but um, could you all just also expand a little bit on that point? You can. You, you don't necessarily need high-speed connectivity to use this platform, uh, but perhaps if you do, it's it's you know it, it's more efficient. It's an enabler. Um, could could you just expand on that point a little bit as well? You don't necessarily need high-speed connectivity to access this platform in flight, uh, but it could be um, helpful.
2: Absolutely. So initially, there's there's two parts to it. It's sending the the data report off the aircraft to the ground. If your you know if your aircraft is is reporting through our system, so you know a cars in its traditional form is sending a report. If you do have broadband connectivity and you're able to send an and cars over IP, then obviously the cost is is potentially significantly reduced for you. So that's getting the reports down to the ground. Um, to get those reports back to the ground, if you wanted to run in your flight deck a um, a weather application of some sort, which is integrating the various uh, weather data layers, then yes, you would want to have connectivity uh, in the flight deck. Otherwise, in the interim, what airlines are doing is their operational um, staff uh, on the ground are are monitoring um, the turbulence-aware system Um, for anything that they consider significant. They would send an individual ACARS message up to their aircraft as a sort of rudimentary means at the moment of providing some additional situational awareness. But to operationalize the system fully and easily for your pilots, in flight, then connectivity um, is obviously the preferred method.
1: Yeah, and maybe another interesting use case to add to that is uh, for historical data that um, a lot of airlines started now using for post-flight safety investigation because it gives them um, a good visibility on what was happening at the atmosphere um, uh, at the time of a specific accident or incident.
2: And the other good use case as well is, I think the engineers will be interested in, um, you know, from a pilot perspective, if we land the aircraft and we believe we've been through a turbulent event which was severe, we would write severe turbulence encountered in the technical log after landing. Now, if we do that, then the aircraft will potentially be grounded for several hours while the engineers um, carry out an inspection. If the aircraft is also sending, you know, any dissipation rate data in flight, then we've set up an alerting system to the to the um, respective airlines. They nominate a value for their aircraft. If any of their aircraft in flight cross that value, they will automatically be alerted. Uh, airline X aircraft such and such has exceeded 0.38, whatever the, the number happens to be. Then um, they can contact that aircraft in flight, talk to the, the captain after the aircraft has landed, check the accelerometer data and do a really good objective analysis of whether or not that aircraft actually needs to be grounded for the next few hours and have a you know, severe um, post sort of, um, inspection done on, on the aircraft. So we can gain a lot of operational efficiency uh, in this area as well and, and help airlines maintain their network
0: and so forth without unnecessary grounding an aircraft. Yeah, it certainly sounds like it would be beneficial, um, and you know, one of the one of the things you also mentioned earlier was that uh, this is sort of um, not every aircraft is impacted the same way uh, by turbulence, uh, You, you get in, 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 even back when we talked back in October, you kind of gave the analogy of an A380 versus a A320. Um, could you talk about that a little bit more as well, Brent, uh, that this is such an accurate report that it doesn't matter what the size and weight of your aircraft is, you're still getting, you're still getting a picture of how this turbulence is going to impact your individual aircraft type.
2: Yeah, exactly. As we gain more experience with the um, eddy dissipation rate values and with them being absolute, you know, we already have tables that we know, for example, a medium weight aircraft, you know, assume an Airbus A320 that can expect, you know, light turbulence from say a value of 0.14 to, to 0.20 as an example. Whereas, like I said, with the boat analogy, you know, I know that if I'm going out of my small yacht and I see a two metre high wave out there today, I know I'm gonna have quite a rough ride. Um, for the cruise liner, he doesn't worry about that. It might be just a light ripple for him. So you know, we're starting to understand what any dissipation rate means uh, in terms of aircraft response to, to um, these values, absolute values.
0: Right. And now, um, so let's say if I'm an airline today and I'm not currently using Turbulence Aware uh, and I'm not doing any type of active turbulence avoidance or awareness programs for my pilots on my own, how do I get signed up for Turbulence Awareness?
1: Well, an airline has to contact us and then we would discuss their technical capability in terms of uh, being able to report the data. Uh, We also have an agreement with the National Center for Atmospheric Research, NCAR, whereby uh, we can distribute the software uh, package to the airlines interested in uh, implementing this reporting capability. And uh, we provide a lot of assistance in terms of documentation, uh, various knowledge uh, uh, sharing, and. Um, liaison with uh, with NCAR themselves in order to be able to start reporting EDR. In terms of data consumption, um, it's similar. Um, An airline would need to have an agreement with us, and then we will set them up uh, for consuming the data from the platform. And if they're using any um, third-party weather tools or uh, tools in their operational centers, we can also uh, facilitate the integration process of the data into, that tool, into those tools. But, of course, every airline has a very different setup operationally, so we work uh, with all of them depending on their operational context.
0: And, you know, there was also another interesting point that we had discussed previously was that, uh, Brent, if you could talk about kind of how had pilots historically gotten updates about uh, turbulence, you know, prior to the existence of a platform like Turbulence Aware, um, how would you get, you know... updates about turbulence awareness if you were a commercial airline pilot pr- previous to the you know the technologies that are available today
2: yeah okay so um, historically what we did and, and will still still do going forward so it's important that we're not replacing the old system in its entirety it will run in, in parallel because it also has its um, obvious benefits but uh, before going flying we would receive a, a weather forecast and we would have sort of general areas of where turbulence uh, would be forecast en route uh, not necessarily precise locations and times but, but sometimes quite large areas of where we may expect it. As pilots also we can start to look at temperature and wind gradients which would start to give us an idea of where we may also expect turbulence uh, and also occasionally they release sigmets like a, a, you know, a, a, a period of, of say four hours normally where they expect you know, severe turbulence uh, in, in a certain defined area. Once we're airborne, often we're talking to each other or um, air traffic control is asking us for what they call a ride report. Um, so they want to know, you know, is it smooth or light, moderate, severe turbulence at our current flight level? Um, or a pilot would come on the airwaves and make a, a report to advise ATC and those of us on the frequency in the vicinity of, of what they are currently experiencing. But, But like I said, I have to often understand what sort of aircraft is that pilot flying. If, you know, if it's an Airbus A320 and he's reporting moderate turbulence, well, if I'm in a Boeing 777 or an Airbus A380, uh, you know, that's going to be a light ripple potentially for me. I also have to capture exactly where he is because he could be hundreds of miles away heading in a completely different uh, direction to me. So when I say subjective, that's what I meant. Now with the the data-driven objective value coming off an aircraft, which shows its precise location and intensity, we're working with much more refined, for want of a better word, information. But the PIREP system will never, uh, obviously, we're not trying to replace it. It's very important that it also uh, remains uh, in place uh, also. So uh, historically, that's how we have generally operated.
0: Right. And now, uh, one of the things we also talked about before was that you all were sort of in an initial pilot phase with this program Uh, back when we talked to you in October, what's the status today? How many airlines do you have currently signed up for turbulence awareness?
1: Um, We have launched the operationally as uh, planned uh, in uh, January this year, so the system is now fully operational, and uh, we're working with airlines to convert them from uh, trial participants to operational users. Uh, we still have about 10 airlines feeding the platform with data, and I believe we're about fourteen to 1,500 uh, reporting tails at the moment. We are also putting a lot of emphasis in uh, working with various airlines across the world to implement the reporting capability as we're trying to grow the data coverage in Europe, in Asia, in uh, South America, um, Middle East, and Africa. So there's still a lot of work for us to do to really grow the program and ensure the coverage uh, uh, throughout the globe. Uh, But overall, we're uh, very happy with the industry engagement and uh, the level of interest. Uh, There there seems to be um, a a significant need for real-time turbulence data to really help and and, um, improve uh, turbulence management uh, throughout the industry.
0: I see, and so that means that I mean it could be an airline right now could be using uh, taking advantage of your platforms. Very, very interesting um, initiative you all are on. Um, another question I did have for you all is the visualization aspect of this technology. Um, how much diff, you know advantage is that just to be able to give a pilot an actual real-time picture of where the turbulence is along their route and the ability to avoid that. Can you just talk about how that's kind of a, it's it's almost like a shift in, in, you know, the capability that's now available for avoiding turbulence? Yeah, it's a good question.
2: I think it's important um, to note that at the moment we're about 45 million turbulence reports, which includes the the threshold based ones and the the smooth air reports or the routine heartbeat reports a year and and growing. So if you think about that, you know, when you look at our viewer tool, you're looking at the last four hours of of live data. And that just obviously keeps moving from three hours and 59 minutes ago to to one minute ago. If I look at the United States at the moment in front of me, there's literally, you know, thousands and thousands of reports. I don't actually want to put all of those reports in front of my pilot in, in flight. It's 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 not necessarily practical, so we have filtering mechanisms within the viewer. Uh, the pilot is also able to input his flight plan route and then buffer the data around his flight plan route, which which just sort of you know narrows the, the, the situational awareness that he needs to his route and also saves on the upload of data to the flight deck. As we move forward, what you're going to see is that airlines won't want to necessarily um, provide these raw data reports. The, the raw data reports become very valuable for the weather forecasters in that they can use them historically to validate their forecast models. But more importantly, as we move towards this cast, which is a 15-minute real-time updated forecast, that these um, raw data reports will be used as an integral part of developing and and publishing and producing that nowcast every 15 minutes. So the pilot and the flight deck ultimately will be getting this updated nowcast of every 15 minutes of the turbulence that he can expect, you know, ahead of him in the current period of time. Otherwise, I'm effectively overloading um, my pilots with lots of data that they may have to filter or analyze them themselves, and they have other jobs that they need to be doing. So. You know, at the moment, the, the raw data reports, yes, they, they can be used, and we know that some op- op- operators are using them. Um, but I think going forward, you're going to see that the raw data reports will be used in these other key areas for um, for efficiency purposes.
0: Right. And, okay, and yeah, it's, like I said, it's a very exciting initiative in technology, especially for um, our audience, which is really interested in sort of new uses of of connectivity, which this is a very beneficial one. Um, So for the remainder of 2020 and maybe over the next year or so, what are you all's kind of main goals associated with turbulence awareness, maybe adding more airlines, uh, more regional coverage? What what are you all focusing on as far as development and and kind of further perfecting this technology uh, throughout the year for 2020?
1: Um, we have quite a robust platform in place, so we do not plan to introduce uh, a lot of new functionalities into the system because it's, uh, it's, uh, we, we have a good system in place already. Our focus is to really work with uh, many airlines around the globe and uh, assist them in uh, implementing a reporting capability. Uh, as we're trying to grow the data coverage in currently uh, data-sparse areas. So that's one important area that we're focusing on. We're also working with uh, a few airlines to try and build uh, um, a software that could be put on um, uh, an electronic flight bag um, that would basically replace the need to to, um, modify their ACMS or AHM uh, to to basically um, help them just put the reporting software on the EFB if the EFB is connected to avionics. So IATA will be offering um, such software in the future to the airlines that have AIDs and uh, connected EFBs and could take advantage of a simplified uh, implementation. So, yeah, that, that that that's the the these are the areas of focus for us for this year. Brent, uh, would you like to add something?
2: Yeah, I just think it's important to understand the value proposition here. Is It's, it's yeah. not this viewer tool that IATA has? has produced uh, the viewer uh, is you know we represent three hundred airlines and, and many of our airlines uh, the thirty five or forty that were involved in the operational trial are in various stages of either implementing a reporting capability or operationalizing the data uh, our tool has been the viewer tool uh, has been available for them to start to see the data and, uh, and look at it and, and how to potentially operationalize it but the value proposition is in the in these Professional um, weather vendors that that our airlines use already for various products that they can, um, through you know the the APIs and so forth, that are available to actually take the raw data out of our database and then integrate it into their professional tools that the airlines are already already using. So um, I think, as Katya said, it, it's about us, you know, getting global coverage, growing this organic seed. Um, you know, helping those airlines that are in the operational trial moving to their full reporting capability, keep growing the data. The more data, the more valuable the forecast or the better the forecast becomes or, or, or the NARC part that we're moving towards. So, yeah, re- really just, just keep um, keep growing.
1: Yeah, and uh, another important role um, that um, we're very um, honoured to play uh, um, we're, we're sort of at the center of this industry shift towards uh, data-driven turbulence mitigation. It's a relatively new concept for the industry and uh, we've uh, been able to build this community of airlines that are pioneering this whole concept. So we're we constantly collecting uh, best practices from uh, them on how to use the data operationally, which use cases are um, helpful to a variety of their operational teams, and uh, we're trying to share this knowledge across the industry and amongst different airlines. So that's another exciting, exciting aspect of, of this program, being able to share best practices for something that is fairly new for the industry.
0: And there you have it. Well, it is a very exciting uh, technology. It's it's also interesting to learn that Brent is actually looking at the uh, Turbulence Aware platform as we speak right now. Um, So I wanted to thank Katya and Brent for coming on today and explaining more about Turbulence Aware. Thanks for joining the Global Connected Aircraft podcast. Thanks very much for having me.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you.
0: Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Global Connected Aircraft Podcast. Just a reminder again that you can see all of the information about our annual Global Connected Aircraft Summit at www.gcasummit.com. My name is Woodrow Bellamy III, and thanks again for tuning in to the Global Connected Aircraft Podcast.